Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. My boss is terrible, period. I got to punctuate it. I said I loved your shirt, but behind your back I said I hate it. The lightning strike me down if I lied, me no one be around with my tongues untied. Every pie says it's okay. All the little things I say with my big fat mouth. Miracle after miracle, and then like unleash plague after plague to soften Pharaoh's heart. You know, Moses came, let my people go, you know. And, and so then Jesus, God, parted the Red Sea, and he like got them to freedom, and he was sending food down from heaven. They were drinking water from rocks, you know, like what the heck. And like they were having, they had clothing that did not wear away. And it's crazy because what they did in this situation in the middle of their situation, of, of their blessing, is they did what we do. They complained, they whined, and they griped. And it's crazy because, like, this was just like me. Because while my mom was in the mall, she was actually shopping for me. And I'm, like, bored of my mom shopping to get me things. But in Exodus 14, 11, and 11 through 12, this is what they say to Moses. They say, they say to Moses, what has, what, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us to bring us out of Egypt? Did we not, did we not say to you in Egypt, just leave us alone and let us serve it, the Egyptians? We, it's, isn't it better for us to be a slave in Egypt than to die in the desert? It's so hot. I don't like this. The food that God is pouring down from heaven isn't really good. There's no hot sauce. There's no salt and pepper. This is really bland. The, the rock water isn't really like Aquafina. I want some Fiji. It's so hot here. And it's, it's funny because like, oh, it's crazy to me that like Moses' response to this, he like puts them in their place in a real way. He says in Exodus 16 and 8, and I love what he says. He says, you're not grumbling or, grumbling or, or, or complaining against me or us, but against the Lord. So just like imagine in the middle of your blessing, right, that God takes it serious, that God takes it personal. He's like, oh, well, you don't like the weather? Okay, well, how about a tornado? How about that for complaining, you know? Like, oh, you don't like your car? You want a new one? Now you got a hot wheel car. Try driving that to work. <laughs> and what I want to do in this message is help us answer the question, um, because so, so many of us have the common issue of complaining, but I want us to answer the question, what complaints do we use the most? Maybe, like, you want to get married, and you're like, God, just send me a husband. Send me a spouse, Lord. Give me somebody who loves me and will help me clean the home. And then you get married, and you're like, oh, my gosh, Becky, he stinks. He chews, he chews weird. Like, I just can't stand the way he chews. When he breathes, it's just too loud. 
oh my gosh, he takes his clothes off and just puts his clothes on the floor and not in the hamper that I placed on the floor right where he puts, he just puts it on the pile right beside the hamper. Like, I just don't get it. And then he, like, he doesn't, he, this is the worst thing ever. Becky, guess what? He just farts. <laughs> he farts. He doesn't go into a room where no one's around and farts in the corner politely. He just farts on purpose. Like, yes, everything I do has purpose, Lindsay, including my farts. <laughs> or maybe, like, you know, fellas, you're like, I just want a lady who dressed nice. You know, I want her to look nice and dress nice. And when we go out, I want her to look nice beside me. And we go, she's just going to look nice. I want her to dress so good. And then you're outside with all the, all the guys outside the store in the mall standing. Man, she's just taking too long out there. I don't get it. It's like, listen, dude. The only way she's going to have good styles is if she shops. Like, this is what you ordered, man. Like, you ordered someone with good style. She's not going to come in. Like, she can't be like you and go inside Dick's Sporting Goods and get a UK collar shirt and khakis and call it a day. She can't do that. Or whatever it is. Maybe, like, I hate my boss. I hate my job. The weather's bad. The food's bad. There's not enough donuts in the, in the loft. The Wi-Fi is here isn't really that good. I've watched everything on Netflix. Now there's nothing else for me to watch. The thing about all this is, is the problem is not the weather. The problem is not, you know, the lack of original content on Netflix or Hulu. The problem isn't the fact that, you know, we do need better Wi-Fi, for being honest. The problem isn't the fact that they, they, got, they didn't get seven dozen donuts for everyone. They only got two. That's not the problem. The problem is Satan has taken your eyes off the goodness of God and placed them on the smallness of yourself. I'll say that again so, so, so that you can understand what I'm saying. Like, the, God, Satan has taken your eyes off the enormous blessings that God has done right in front of you and all around you and put your eyes on yourselves. And that is why we are so easy to, com- to complain. And so what I want to do is, is kind of give you the strategies um, because it will be really easy for me to get up here and make you feel really guilty about your complaining. I mean, the, you guys got into the car. You woke up this morning. You started complaining. You got in the car. You were complaining more. You sat in the parking lot for five minutes to finish all your complaining. And then, and, then, and then you came into the loft. You put on your everything that's fine face. And then the seat that you were supposed to sit in because you were late, the seat that you were supposed to sit in was already taken. So you're sitting in the, in the black chairs, not the cushy black chairs. And you're like, they didn't sing Reckless Love yet. I just want to hear Reckless Love. And then like... Oh my gosh, where's the drummer? There's no drummer. Who's the violinist? Like, come on, what's going on? And then you're like, why the heck does this guy have on a hat on stage? Like, what is, what is this church? I'm not going to like it. And it's crazy because when you, are, when you are complaining, you are rewiring yourself for more complaining. You're rewiring your mind for more complaining. So what I want to do is not convict you. But I want to encourage you, not encourage you to, to stop complaining because, hey, that's, that's really, really hard if we're being honest. But what I want to encourage you is to take your eyes off the, or get you away from the easy fruit of complaining into the joyous fruit of worship. I want to encourage you to look higher than your situation to see that God is still moving. And I want to go to this text um, in the New Testament, because if there was anyone that had the right to complain, it was the Apostle Paul. 
because the Apostle Paul was, he wrote this, 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 God bless you. He wrote this book while he was, he wrote this to Philippi, the church in Philippi while he was in Rome. And he wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel because he knew that Rome would be like, it's the most strategic place to spread the gospel. And so instead of being a preacher in Rome, he was actually a prisoner in Rome. So can you imagine like wanting to go to Rome and you end up getting locked up and you're in chains 24 hours a day to guards that switch out every four hours or every eight hours for two years? You're in your favorite place in the world and you're thinking about, man, I might just die. And it would have been easy for Paul to say, it's just, it's not fair, God. I've done everything to serve you. These people have taken the easy way out. I've taken the hard road towards you and I'm snake bitten, I'm shipwrecked, I'm beaten left or dead. Like, and plus this guard beside me really, really stinks. Lord, would you deliver him from B.O. in the name of Jesus? It would have been so easy for him to do that, but that's not what he did. In Philippians 2.14, he says, Every, to do everything without rumbling or arguing so that you, be, so that you will be, become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars. See, there's so many spiritual reasons why you should not complain. But at the same time, like I said, there's practical reasons, there's, there's physical reasons that you shouldn't because when you, when you think negative thoughts, you're only going to get more negative thoughts. Maybe you're, you know, thinking, I'm not going to go to that church. They don't really have a real building. Who meets on top of a bank? Oh, they're getting another. Well, we don't need another church on Main Street. Like, come on. Their worship is weird. Like, I don't really want to go there. And then that, you know, their other pastor, he's just like started arguing with somebody on a soccer field. Like, why do I even want to be a part of that church? Well, you know, if you think that, odds are you're going to get exactly what you want. Odds are you're going to think the negative because that's all that you can see. And I know that a lot of us have some, some very negative things going on in our lives, like some real situations that suck. Um, and I don't want to discount that. But I do want you to see that there is so much beauty and grace and goodness in the midst of your trials. And I want to train, like, I want to train my brain to see that. Because at the end of the day, like, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of negativity. And I don't have time to focus on it. Amen? And so what I want to do is kind of unlock these, unpack these two um, points. And as we go, we'll kind of continue to talk about them. The first one is, if you can change your circumstance, then do something about it. Like, if you're in a situation that you can change, let's, hey, let's, let's get in the game. Let's, let's change it. But if you are in a circumstance that you cannot change, then change your perspective of it. Change your perspective. Change the way you see it. Change, change the way you talk about it, the way you think about it. And that's exactly what, what Paul did in the midst of his very negative situation. He says in, in Philippians 2.17, he says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you so you may be glad and rejoice with me. 
See, Paul did not see like the death that he was potentially going to have, the crucifixion that he was going to face. He didn't see that as the sacrifice. He saw his life as a sacrifice because he understood that he was not the center of his story. Jesus was. And when Jesus is the center of your story, then you, there, there's no room to complain because all you can see is him. And if you could change your circumstance, do something about it. If you can break out of prison, break out of prison. You're probably going to get, go back to prison because they're going to catch you. But if you could do it, do it. If you want to, you know, change the way your body, you know, go, go to the gym. Change your diet. If you hate your job, then change your job. But if you can't change your job, then change the way you see it. Thank God that, hey, listen, I got a really, I got a job. It pays well. I don't like my boss. They look at me like their stomach hurts all the time. But listen, I'm going to worship, and I'm thankful that I have means to supply for my family. And, and if you can't change that situation, change the way you think. Just like last week for me, we went to beach camp, and some stuff happened. And I tried my best not to complain, because I knew that if I complained, then the students and the leaders here will yell at me from the crowd and say, he complained last week. Um, but I mean, you know, we, have, we, had, we had some stuff going on. If, if you all please, like for a second, I just want to give like applaud the team that went down to beach camp. Can we just take a second to just <laughs> applaud them? Because listen, listen, it was tough. It was really tough. But they dealt with me, you know? <laughs> but I'm so thankful. And, and, and because we were able to see, we were able to focus on God's goodness. And we were able to have an amazing week. So how in the world did Paul do this? How did Paul, in the midst of of his pain, see the good? He was thinking, you know what? Hey, listen, I may be locked up by a Roman soldier, but he's with me for eight hours, and he's going to listen to my sermon about God's goodness. He ain't going nowhere. He's chained to me. I'm not the prisoner in this. He is. He says in, in Philippians 1, 12 through 13, he says, now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me is actually served to advance the gospel. That's good. As a result, it has been made clear throughout the entire Roman guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Everyone knew that Paul was there to worship God. They were like rock, paper, scissoring to see who would have to be chained to Paul. Like, there was just like, come on. And he's like, listen, God's good. I'm going to sing good, good father. I'm going to sing reckless love. You're going you're gonna to know who God is. By the time this eight hours, you got to give the next guy up. I'm not in chains. I, I'm not in bondage. I am here to serve the Lord. So my question to you is, what are you chained to? What situation are you in that you wish was different? What circumstance do you wish would change? What is your chains? I'm stuck in a dead-end job. When I go home, I don't feel loved. I can't get rid of this pain that I've dealt with for years. My circumstances or my finances are bad, and we don't know how we're going to make it through the week. Even if you're going through that, change your perspective. Choose to see that God is still working in the midst of your chains, in the midst of what you're going through. Choose to see that God is still working. So 
I'm going to go in and go ahead and tell you all the situation, what happened at Beach Camp, if you don't know. So we, it's like 44 of us, 43. Um, and we were going to Myrtle Beach for Beach Camp. Woot. And it was, it, was, it was a great week. But we get, it, we get into the bus that God provided, if we're being honest. God provided us this van. And we get into this van, and we go to Spartansburg, South Carolina. And the bus breaks down. We are in the Wingate Mall, and it's a very sketchy mall, very sketchy mall. Um, but we're in this mall, and there's 43 people, 37 of them are however many students we had. I don't even know. All of them get back home. It's all that matters. Um, <laughs> amen. But we're stuck inside this mall. And then so we just like, oh, we're like, okay, what do we do? So we start to call churches. Literally, we start to call churches. We're like, hey. Uh, so we stuck at the mall. Y'all got a bus or something? And so like this, we call church at the church. A lot of people told us no. And it was crazy because there was one church that had vans, but all of their students were in Kentucky. I'm like, why did y'all, why did y'all go to Kentucky this week? You know, <laughs> like what, what, you know? <laughs> and so we called churches and there was one church that was like, hey, we don't have a van, but listen, we will give you money to help you rent one. And so we call these people and we're like, hey, we want to rent a bus. You got a bus? And so we were going to pay a lot of money for a bus. And then we couldn't figure out what was wrong with the van. And so all the students gather up in the food court of this mall, right? And they start to pray. And one of my leaders, one of the leaders walks up to someone. is like, hey, can you like pray with us? Pray for us? We're like trying to find a way to Myrtle Beach. And he was like, well, how many students you got? And we're like, well, we got about 35 it's like, oh, well, we got a 20-passenger and a 15-passenger bus. Y'all want to use it? And we're like, no, it's okay. <laughs> no, we were like, yes, yes. Um, so in that moment, in that moment, in that terrible situation, we, ch- did not, we chose not to look at and, and complain about it because, listen, I wanted to complain, guys, if we're being honest. I wanted to complain. I just were like, hey, listen, we're going, we going back to Kentucky. I am not playing no, I'm not playing this bus game no more. We're playing a bus game since January. I'm not playing it no more. But in that moment, God showed up and showed out. And we had an amazing week. I mean, it was like the best beach camp ever. Like if we're being honest, like everything went smoothie. Y'all can cheer for beach camp. And and it was and, and instead of arguing, or I'm sorry, instead of complaining, we chose to worship. And so we get you know, to Myrtle Beach, and it's like, you know, three and a half hours late, and then we had to, you know, unpack all of our stuff in the rain, and it's like 10.30, we've been out since 4.30, and no one complained. I think there was a few tears, there was some tears, but it was raining, so you couldn't see them on my face. I was like, it's just rain. I'm not crying. But in that moment, God showed up because I don't know what situation that you're going through, what negative situation that you're going through or you're facing, but God wants to show you his goodness and his, and his greatness in the midst of it. Instead of complaining about what we don't have, let's start focusing on the things that we do have. Instead of 
asking for more blessings and complaining about the blessings that we have not got, let's take a second to remember who God is and thank him for the blessings that we do have. Instead of complaining about the things that God hasn't given us, let's rejoice about the life through Jesus Christ that we received inside of him. And I, and I love David. A couple, a couple weeks ago, we talked about David and the mishaps that he's done, the sin that David had. But at the same time, like after all of that, David was still considered to be a man after God's own heart. He says this in Psalms 103, verses 2 through 5. He says something that I think is incredible. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he has done for me. He forgives me of all my sins what I've done to Uriah, what I've done with Bathsheba. He forgives me of all my sins, and he heals me of all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender miracles. He fills my life with good things. My, my youth is renewed like the eagles. I don't know what that means, but that sounds really cool. Let all that I am worship God and praise God. Let everything that I do worship God and praise God. If you can change a situation that's bad, don't complain about it. Suit up and let's do something about it. But if you're in a situation that you cannot change and you feel like you've been burdened down by the weight of your circumstance, choose to look toward heaven. Choose to look at God. Because in the midst of that, he wants to be glorified. He wants to do something amazing like give you a bus in the middle of Spartansburg. I don't even know where that is. Like genuinely, I don't know where it's at. He wants to do that. There's a song that I love and it says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded by all my situations. It may look like everything around me is terrible. But if you change the way you look at it, if you change the way you talk about it, if you change the way you think about it and focus on God, he'll come through. Let's stop treating God like he's failed. Let's stop treating God like he has not done amazing things for you already. I tell my students, I'm like, hey, take a breath. So let's do that. Right, take a breath. That was a blessing. That was given. Took another one. That was given. He has blessed you beyond your wildest dreams. If you can change your situation, change it. God has given you talent and power to do something about it, but if you can't, look toward him. Because if you look toward him, I promise you won't be disappointed. I promise he will come through. And it may not look like you want it to look, but guess what? You'll say, man, thank you, God, for what you've done. Let's pray. God, would you please grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change and the courage to change the things that we can and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. 
God, I pray that you show us your goodness in the midst of our situation. You show us that you are working, that you are good, that you are good, Father, in the midst of our situation. And also, Lord, I pray that you give us the courage to step up and change it if we can. And God, forgive us for complaining in the midst of your goodness. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you will do. And I wait in expectation for all your blessings. I look towards your heart. I look into your eyes. And I see that I am loved. It may be be sucky here on earth. But I pray, Lord God, that you make us happy here for now and eternally grateful with you forever in heaven. It's your wonderful and beautiful and great and lovely and amazing and worthy, beautiful, great name. I could keep saying these words again, Lord. You're so good. It's your great name we pray. Amen. Let's worship, guys.